Mr. God damn it, Roger Williams, author of my favorite book, Thomas the Tank Engine, The Metamorphosis of Prime Intellect. <laughs> Threw you for a loop there, huh? Motherfuckers. <laughs> Think you know what's coming and you don't. Um, I'm uploading an episode from Mr. D up oh, and it's uh I think it's uploaded. I think it's uploaded. We good? Are we Gucci? I don't know yet. Roger, how you doing, man? Uh, I'm having a wonderful weekend. Let me tell you how it started. At about one in the morning on Saturday morning, I got it up in the middle of the night to conduct a little personal business. And when I was done, I hit the flush handle, and instead of flushing my personal business down to the sewer, the tank ruptured and dumped all the water on the floor of the bathroom. <laughs> so that. that was how my weekend started. Fuck that. <laughs> so Sounds shitty. I, 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 yeah, fortunately, that part was confined to the toilet it was the clean water from the tank that okay. ended up on the floor okay. but i literally put every towel we owned on the floor and then tossed them into the shower stall to drain and uh it was, it's yeah that, then i had to go to lowe's and find a guy to talk about a toilet so yeah <laughs> it's uh yeah and right as 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 roger pointed out I've got my acoustic tiles up. It's uh, it's eerily, sounds much cleaner than last time. It's <laughs> eerily quiet where I'm sitting. It's I might have gone too far. It's it's odd. It's very odd sitting here. I couldn't put a finger on it. I was sitting here for like an hour yesterday, and I was just like, just kind of like looking around. And I was like, "What? What is this?" And I like walked to the. So I I did I did that wall, that wall, did the ceiling, and instead of doing the whole room, because it's my bedroom as well, it just mm -hmm. I mean money. I I mean I didn't skimp. I got the four inch. There's one inch, two inch. I three see inch, that. I got the fucking and um, Cadillac. Yeah, Cadillac. I got, I, ooh. <laughs> Gucci, right? Um. What I did was, uh, and then I, from what I, I did uh, initially, right, the the tripods around with the moving blankets, kind of like five deep, just draped over. Um, so what I did was I took one of the moving blankets off, um, and in a very overcomplicated way, I managed to hang it from the ceiling, and I took like picture frame hanging stickers that are rated for like ten pounds, and did a whole row of them. And then, like, I bend the tips down, and I put a pin through them, and then I would poke the moving blanket through, and I'd bend the pin up, and uh, I can't feel the tips of my fingers after after doing that. For I'm not even kidding. I'm not. I can't. I can't feel that. I can feel like dulled, muted pressure. But I did it behind the tripods, and then I did it on this. So instead of doing the whole room, what I basically did is. I almost like made my own cubicle, but it goes up to the ceiling. And then on the moving blankets, because I made sure it was rated for a ton of weight, not that the foam weighs a lot, I did uh, three by five of these kind of pinned in. It's it's not as neat as that. They're kind of like hanging on there. But yeah. um, what, so in theory, I have 
I have four walls of this and then a ceiling and uh it's silent <laughs> it it does sound very good thank i mean you. i can i can really hear that uh it's a very acoustically clean environment thank you sir that was the point so. and uh, i think it's i know with like i think they're anechoic chambers right mm-hmm. like apple has like a hundred million dollar one i think the navy has one where instead of and they're lined, yeah, they're lined with that shit. That's, yeah, instead of four <laughs> inches though, theirs are some. I mean, they're like four to five feet. They're just long, jagged yeah. things, and they're so the actual rooms will be like a twenty by twenty foot room, but because the cones are also there's actually only like a five by five foot room in the center, and uh, they say if you like sit in there long enough, you can start to hear your blood flow. And like you need to leave because kind of people say they start to get anxiety. I don't think I'm there, but it's definitely, it's not bad. It's different. It's different. It's not bad. It's I mean, most silent. of us have, you know, yeah. I mean, actually, uh, experiencing true quiet is something that few of us get the chance to do. It's, uh, I mean, I've had a couple of chances in, in places where it was either natural or something like that. And, and yeah, it's striking because you're not used to it. Um, yeah. Up at my uh, my parents' lake house in New England, I remember being up there one winter two or three years ago. And there was a snowfall, like a heavy, like two or three feet snowfall. Mm-hmm. And it's already out in the middle of nowhere. But then you basically have everything with natural tiles, right? Snow. Yeah. New, newly fallen snow is extremely light and will yeah. absorb sound that way too. So, you, yeah. You walk out there and it's, you understand the cliche of silence is deafening. You walk out there and it's, you're like, <laughs> it, you're just like, whoa, it's crazy. And that's, yeah, that's what this sounds like. It sounds like I just walked out into the woods after yeah. a snowstorm. You you also get that in the desert in some places. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, because there's nothing moving around or anything. It's yeah. It's hey man, it's awesome. It's what I wanted. It's yeah. Wait, are you gonna put your flag back up? Yeah, I am. But right now, I'm really digging the look. So I think I'm gonna do this. I have the flag hanging out in my living room. I'm gonna put it back up. But I'm kind of digging this this spaceship look it's i kind of like it right now it's eerie it's eerie dude (laughs) this room's fucking eerie (laughs) you know i might meditate in here that might not be a half bad spot oh yeah i mean people do that that's one of the things that they they look for like you know places that are really quiet to do that and all so yeah you probably would find that very interesting Mm. it's uh yeah I mean, it probably isn't coming through as well on your end because obviously you're in a in a, in a room. <laughs> well, your your the your voice is coming in. It's like it's very clean because I'm wearing headphones. Oh yeah. So yeah. you know, now my voice is probably coming through to you with echoes because I'm in a normal room with a bunch of crap and all. But um, it'll probably mix pretty well. I mean, you you can't do anything about your guests' environment. Yeah. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. You're right. Um, and, and and as they go, this is not as bad as some. I mean, uh, no, yours is fine, man. 
Yeah, I mean, actually, some of the the junk behind me actually yeah, no, does a halfway good job of breaking. Yeah, so this is not a flat that wall yeah uh the problem is you get somebody who's in a really clean house i mean mm-hmm. mitzi has this problem yeah uh, you know she's in you know and it's like she's in an echo chamber because yeah. her, she's in this extremely clean room that has nothing on the walls everything is flat and reflective of sound yeah yeah um, it's but uh I've, yeah i've I, learned I, more about acoustics in the last couple months just like <laughs> just like oh like you don't just because even in the other place where i was doing this it wasn't as bad because although it was a big room there was like a bow flex there was like cabinets there was anything that was just multi-edged would you know it deflects and reflects mm-hmm. but when i first moved in here you were the first episode in here and there was nothing up there was like a mattress on the floor yeah i sent my dad the last dot fm link and he said he couldn't understand most of it yeah oh yeah it was just like too too echoey my guy my 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 backer my investor who never never criticizes anything never gives me any direction he's always hands off which is what i love about it he texts me and he's like yeah you gotta fix that audio. <laughs> I was like, I was like, fuck, because <laughs> he, he's the most doesn't care. I could bring on a fucking mass. Mur- I could bring on a serial killer on here, and he wouldn't say anything. <laughs> he was like, you need to, you need to mess with that audio. And I was like, I, fuck. <laughs> so, and and something I wanted to ask you about. I noticed that you have posted a few YouTube videos that are not 10 second previews that are the whole thing. So, do you have some kind of strategy there? Uh, do you think certain things are safe? I think as long as we do not discuss COVID vaccines or election misinformation, meddling, and or fraud, then I'm good. My original plan was to only do 10-second clips because what I didn't want was for that filter to Mm -hmm. cause me to self-censor, as I explained. But I'm now... I don't I don't self-censor now. Now I just I've managed to realize it's not all or nothing. I can upload a 10 second clip. Um, But there's like a certain like liberation almost. I just realized I was like, look, if if they're going to ban me, they're going to find a reason and they're going to ice me. And so I don't I don't check my YouTube channel like 100 times a day like I used to. What's my subscriber count? I just now I'm like, I think it's out of my hands and so yeah, now I'm not. So I'm not going to actively try to get banned. I have built up five thousand subscribers. It's been a long, difficult process. I'm not going to throw it away, but I'm also not putting my life and soul into the YouTube platform anymore because it seems to be so shaky that I I, don't, I can't put all my eggs in one basket if the basket might fall over. So yeah, yeah. If, if there's nothing, then. W- then I will then I'll upload the full video if there is then it just won't be but um yeah that's that's my that's my game plan right now and uh again yeah. I'm not gonna try to get banned that's stupid but um I'm not as uh I'm not as like oh my god I can't get banned anymore I'm uh, it's, eh, if it happens it happens it's whatever I don't yeah, yeah. It, it's it's I've been, I've just been I don't plug YouTube links anymore. I don't plug Rumble or BitChute. I just plug the Spotify because Spotify has never taken down anything. I figure Spotify is 
Rumble and BitChute don't take down anything, but they are still tiny alternative sites. They're still niche sites. I imagine as the years go yeah. by, they might get bigger. But Spotify is kind of like a corollary to YouTube in that it's so large that it is a platform that everyone uses. And most people only listen anyway. Like, I'm so intent on the video, but, like, most people put it on and then leave it somewhere. So now I just plug Spotify yeah. and... uh well, I mean, we've done a few show and tell things, but for the most part, it's still, you know, mm-hmm. there's just, it's just me sticking, you know, talking to this microphone and all the crap behind me. And, just, you know, yeah, unless I'm showing you how to ring gauge blocks or yeah. something. Which is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you're 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 right, because, man, I, I can't think of I love the Tim Dillon show. I don't think I've ever watched one, maybe a couple seconds. I'll listen. I'll listen to 100 of them. Uh, it just I was like, wait, why do I give a fuck? So it's not even that I'm like trying to get banned or not trying to get banned as much as I was like, I'm just going to pivot entirely. Just fucking I just plug the Spotify and whatever happens, happens. I don't know. I figure I need to put out content and make sure I have a copy of the content somewhere. The platforms mm-hmm. will probably just continue to arise and fall over the years. As as they've been doing for 40 years. Now. That's what they've been doing forever. <laughs> right i mean yeah yeah so um well yeah you now b- b- before 1990 or so there was really no online thing you know so roger well, i guess universe, it was comp you serve the universe didn't exist before <laughs> 1990 that's when i was born there's nothing there was nothing so uh uh yeah, so he said to the guy who was born in 1964. Well, I don't know that. I can only vouch for where I've been. I've been here since August 7th, 1990. Before that, there was nothing. I am the son of God, Roger. Let's just cut to it. <laughs> I am. I was, I was listening to Tim, like an old Tim Dillon episode, and he was talking about David Icke. You know David Icke, right? Mm-hmm. The lizard guy that we're all reptilian or all the elite are reptilians who drink the blood of children. You know, that that hard hitting journalism. He uh, <laughs> apparently he went on a show in like the 90s and his original shtick was uh, I am the son of God. And people are laughing at him. He was like, you know, if Jesus Christ of Nazareth was here, you'd be laughing at him, too. And they're like, you're not Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Like <laughs> and uh, Tim Dillon's like he pivoted. He pivoted and he went for reptilians and he goes you know what ike got the laugh last laugh he's worth tens of millions of dollars they looked it up he goes he's worth more than the guy that invented the mri who got the last laugh (laughs) it's reptilians from draco they're here hillary clinton we're gonna look at her epiglottis and he was like yeah so you know what maybe i just need to pivot and go full david ike well, that's a strategy. It's a strategy. It's a, we'll put it in the back pocket. We'll pull it out on a rainy day. Yeah. We'll pull out the reptilian card. The reptilian, satanic, <laughs> cannibalistic pedophile card. It's yes, a, we'll, do, we'll, we'll, we'll do yet another remake of the series V. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's a bold card to play. It's a, it's not even a card. It's more so flip the table, right? Yeah. If it's not, it's not a royal flush. It's a, it's a revolver. It says, "Give me your money." It's not a. If all it's, else fails, it's more like a, the fifth ace that's up the arm of your jacket. Yeah, it's not even a card. <laughs> it's just when you've decided you don't want to play anymore, you go, 
George Bush is a reptile from Draco, and he drinks the blood of scared children. And 9-11 was a ritual sacrifice. That's that's the card we'll play. Nice knowing you. All right. Uh, have a nice life. <laughs> You're in here with me. Roger, you've been on too many episodes. You, you've been on too many episodes, Roger. Cancel cultures. You're going down with me. There, you there. I'm Hitler. Oh, I know. I'm Hitler, but you're a Goring or a Himmler. You're hanging with me, so it's. So who's who's the guy who did all of the architectural drawings of the fjords? Oh, and, and um, Hitler's architect. Yeah, fuck. It's um, Speer, Albert Speer. Yes, right? yes, Albert Speer. That's that's who I am. Okay, I'm I'm, I'm, your, I'm your Albert Speer. I'm, I mean, there's really no good <laughs> witch Nazi. I mean, they're all you're all dead. Speer, Goebbels, Goring, Himmler. I mean. You fuck well, no it's like what. they they either perpetrated it or went along with it. So yeah. yeah. Now, I if kinda... if you're a Werner von Braun, you can actually ride then, out. You can ride out into the sunset. Yeah, Operation Paperclip for the win, baby. Oh, you mean not not only Operation <laughs> Paperclip? It's not just that you didn't die. It's that there are pictures of you and Kennedy and Curtis LeMay arm in arm chumming it up with this with the Saturn five in the background. I mean that guy that guy pulled the fifth ace out of his sleeve. It's not just that he didn't die, he thrived. He became the head of NASA. He brought us to the moon. Mm-hmm. Like I mean that guy truly did just, you know I mean he pretty much designed the Saturn five. No, no, he did. That was no. his rocket design. Oh yeah, no, That's oh a- oh it's a it's a it's a it's one of the most worst examples ever of give credit where credit's due, but goddamn the Nazis are some engineers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus Christ. But Roger and I get my water. Roger and I uh we've we've been putting off for one excuse or another for months now, the final reading. Yeah. Well, it's not final. Not there's final. three more episodes. There's, there's, yeah, we've done two of the five episodes of Revelation Passage, and uh, it's probably a good idea to do a little uh, recap. Yeah, at this point. So uh, these uh, autonomous, intelligent spaceships, which we have learned now, uh, are actually powered by the image of a human brain of a guy named Tom who died tens of thousands of years ago or in the original story it was tens of thousands of years ago uh, undertook a mission to colonize the Milky Way galaxy with human life and they did it in a very different way than you normally see because they decided stars are dangerous the reason that the Earth's uh, weather went out of control was because uh, they couldn't control the energy from the star. So they realized that a, a world like Earth with a hot radioactive core would have plenty of energy. Uh, if you wanted to warm the surface, you would just have to tap it. And all of those taps are much more reasonable. They don't have all this high radiation and they're you know not going to be cutting on and off the way that sunlight does. So this is how they colonized the Milky Way. And in the course of looking for these dark worlds that have been ejected from their star systems, which we now know is a natural thing that happens to like probably half the planets that ever formed, uh, uh, most of these ships ended up leaving the galaxy without finding anything. And a few of them uh, in the second story I told uh, ended up at Andromeda. And 
colonized that galaxy. But the ones that went further were dead. You know, they 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 couldn't sustain themselves. It took it took a mass of a thousand ships uh, operating in concert to get ten to be able to still be alive and to stop when they got to Andromeda. But uh, we meet this uh, in, at the beginning of Revelation passage. Uh, we meet this ship that uh, got to a galaxy that is probably twenty million light years away, a billion years in the future, and. An alien race, a race of alien machines intercepts it and reconstructs it. And when they realize what it is, they set it uh, about its original task of colonizing the dark worlds of their galaxy. Because as they said, we're not using them anyway. Uh, And it turns out that these alien machines had also exterminated their biological creators. So... uh, this was sort of a way of them for them to atone now that they have realized what they did. And the first uh, couple of stories in Revelation passage were about how uh, these alien machines eventually figured out that their visiting machine was itself the image of a human being, you know, that that this was a human brain digitized and they figured out how to pour his personality back into a biological body. And so that was where we entered billion years in the future. This poor guy who actually has memories of being this immortal, uh, spaceship type personality, but is now back in a mortal human body. And one of the things that transpires is his mate, uh, asks, why don't the human ships, you guys, look at back at the Borden homeworld where the where their makers originated? Maybe we could learn something about them because the Borden, the alien machines, wouldn't enter the their own homeworld out of shame for for what they had done to their creators. And so, the uh, the human ships did that. They found uh, they 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 put up a ring of shade bots to try mm-hmm. and cool this world down that, it, that it, it was on its road to becoming like Venus. And when they were able, they uh, found uh, a cache that the, the makers had left where one of the original makers had uh, entombed himself with this glass cylinder that uh, seemed to have almost magical information storage and retrieval properties. And they learned to use that, found out about the makers, found out that the makers were human, which is very odd because our guy got there 200 million years after the Borden had annihilated them. And now uh, it turns out that these humans were there. Well, there is also an artifact in the outer uh uh, worlds, it's at the uh, one of the major uh, gas giant planets, L five point. Uh, that they don't know quite what it is, and they finally realize that it's the starship uh, that has a collector array, and so that it's able to actually harvest the sparse atoms in intergalactic space and use them as fuel. Um, this is actually a scheme called the Bussard Ramjet. It has been proposed. Can you spell it? B-U-S-S-A-R-D. It's a, it's a guy's name. Yeah. And uh, so the uh, the idea is that you use the thin matter in interstellar space 
as fuel by stopping it, uh, collecting it, and using it uh, to propel yourself further. Um, is, and even in intergalactic space, there is some matter. Yeah, isn't it? And, doesn't it go down exponentially? Sorry to interrupt. Between like planets, stars, galaxies, doesn't it go down to like one atom per meter or something, or cubic meter or something? Yeah, it's on that scale. Yeah. But on the other hand, if you're going 20 million light years, you're still going to go through a lot of matter. It's still going to add up. And yeah, and if you I mean, and if you can do some hyper efficient nuclear fusion or matty mm-hmm. antimatter reaction, that's yeah, it's kind of like a whale getting plankton. Well, in uh, in in our story, the normal uh, ships achieved about two percent of the speed of light, and the ramjet achieved about four percent. And it was less about going faster than it was about having uh, a closed system, about being alive and self-sufficient the whole time. So, uh, you know, the other researchers, when they left the galaxy, they were nearly out of fuel. That that was their design goal. And so, uh, except for the group that uh, went to Andromeda, that uh, a thousand ships collected together and pooled their resources to make sure that 10 could be uh, alive in a hundred million years. Uh, in a billion years, this, these these ships are all like stone cold dead. You know, I mean, you know, your your reactor core at that point is a rock. Yeah, it's it's not doing anything. Um, so anyway, that's where we arrived. The uh, in the last scene of uh, episode two, uh, the bringer ship that we've been. Uh, focusing on, uh, had found uh, a code that woke up the galaxy ship and uh, using kind of similar principles to what they knew woke up that glass cylinder that Mm -hmm. was just, you know, uh, a way that the makers had used to preserve their legacy. But it was obvious to them that the, the glass cylinder wasn't made by the makers. It was something that had been left to them. And it was apparently nano assembled like the entire galaxy ship built an an atom at a time to make this fabulously intricate uh, structure. And in the last scene that we saw, uh, the personality of this ship uh, wakes up the galaxy ship and then in the very next scene finds himself sitting in a leather armchair in a human body and very freaked out about this because uh, the fact that the bringers have been doing, you know, the, uh, the, the Borden have been doing this uh, has been very disquieting to them, but they don't say anything because, well, they wouldn't be here without the Borden. Um, but anyway, Roger, he just woke up. Sorry. Yeah. I thought you were about to start reading. Um, well, yeah, pretty soon now. Oh, okay. I thought you were about to start <laughs> reading. I was waiting. I'm going to go fill up my water. I was going to say, well, now we're just doing this weird, awkward thing. Roger, tell them, tell them where to find Metamorphosis of Prime Intellect. <laughs> Okay. Um, yes, if you are interested in a paper copy of the Metamorphosis of Prime Intellect, my novel that Tommy likes so much, I uh, would encourage you to go to lulu.com, L-U-L-U.com, instead of Amazon, the usual source. It will cost you about the same uh, because the contracts that make it possible for me to have an ISBN require that. But Lulu is the actual original publisher. And... Uh, because they're forced to charge you so much, I get a lot more of the money. 
because they only take the share that they take uh, that they need to publish the book. So uh, if you buy a copy from Amazon, I get about a buck fifty. If you buy one from Lulu, I get closer to six dollars. And uh, they have very good customer service. It's uh, you know it's obviously not as convenient with the one click shopping, but uh, just sort of asking for a friend, you know. Um, and of course, if what you would prefer is as an ebook, uh, there are uh, a number of options there. Uh, it is available as uh, a, you know for your Kindle and in other ebook formats. Uh, in that case, then there's no loss to go to Amazon because uh, they are actually the point of origin for that sort of thing. So, Tommy. <laughs> so the safety side is that all these panels are fireproof which is definitely good because if they weren't it would I, go up like a tinder box. I'm, in, I'm in a blast <laughs> furnace the moving blankets however are not fire resistant but luckily there's a layer between there's a layer between all the blankets and all the electronics of panels just in case <laughs> yeah because <laughs> I was like I'm gonna die one day and I'm fine with that and it might be by my own accidental hand which I half expect I don't want it to be because of this podcast if I, if I die driving and texting hey you know what Darwin was at work I refuse to die on this podcast out of, out of pride so maybe my All macbook right. is going to start hyper heating one day not that you asked not that anyone anyway i know does it does it have samsung batteries in it because they explode well you know <laughs> if that's the case i don't know you know maybe the cia takes me out one day they turn my one of my hard drives into a claymore but um <laughs> On that well, they note. turn about 9,000 RPM now, so it's like, hey. yeah, if one of them comes apart. Hey, man, maybe. I don't know. Roger, you got four lights up there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is. The ceiling and everything. That's, that's, that's great. But, you know, sorry, we'll start reading in a second. You know what's great, though, is there's zero airflow, which means this place gets hot. My laptop cooling system is, a, is actually now doubles as my own personal studio HVAC. There is flowing air in here. On that note. Okay. So uh, this, this will be Revelation 3, the Paleo Bringer. And this is part five, section B, continued from the end of the last reading which was done sometime at the, around the end of the 19th century. Um, so, My body was soft and squishy and hot, and my thoughts ran wild, born on a wave of unfamiliar chemicals. I was no longer a machine. I was now mere flesh, the very transient jelly I was sworn to protect. You look like you could use a drink, my doppelganger said pleasantly. A table popped into existence beside my chair, and atop it a cut crystal glass of amber fluid. I stared at this for a second, trying to make sense of it. If I was human, how was this possible? 
You, you haven't really been made human, my host said. Your full personality and all of your memories are intact, and they couldn't be represented in full in a mere biological brain. You should drink the drink, though. It'll benefit you. It's our favorite, distilled corn mash whiskey. Tentatively, I picked up the glass and took a sip. Fire crawled down my esophagus. Finally, I tried to speak, and though it had been more than a million years subjectively since I had used such equipment, the flapping of flesh and puffing of air to make sound came naturally to me. Will this stuff affect me? Here it will, he said. I took another sip. If I'm not human, what's going on? It's a long story. I wouldn't want to bore you, but if you're not busy, I'd be very interested to tell it to you. I looked around, finally realizing that beyond the chairs and the mirror and a couple of potted plants, the landscape was completely bare. If I hadn't been so startled by my sudden fleshiness, I would have realized it had to be some kind of simulation. But the resolution was impossible. Let's cut the shit, I said a bit shakily. Where's my ship body? Part 5C. In time. I have to tell this in a certain order. First of all, we are the same person, although I'm older than you. A lot older. But it's only because we are the same person that I was able to absorb your memories and loan you my developed human body by simulation. Funny how a bunch of programming we acquired more or less at random when we were a baby more than a billion years ago remains so individual and consistent. That's why you have all the reflexes you need to express yourself into that body, to speak and reach and even walk if you should try. Your ancestors threw those functions away, but your descendants recreated them. My ancestors. You have my memories? Yes, and it was a very informative absorption, oh brother of mine. This is why I'm not asking you questions. It's not an interrogation. I already know everything you know. This is an interview. You ask the questions and I'll answer. I may even answer some questions you don't know enough to ask. How much older than me are you? I left the Milky Way about 300 million years after you did. At the word million, a literal stabbing pain shot through my abdomen. What wonders had this version of me seen? And what was he capable of? No wonder it seemed so real, I gasped. He shrugged. Our connoisseurs and since they can tell the difference, no matter how high we crank up the resolution. Anyway, it's a bit embarrassing that it took so long for us to get here. After 300 million years, our computers are only a thousand times faster than yours. And for our purposes, their capabilities are hardly limitless. But they are a thousand times faster than what you're used to, so parlor tricks like this are possible. What else is possible? Oh, all kinds of things. Surely you noticed my once fine ship. We couldn't figure out how it was built or why you even bothered with the ram scoop, unless you really were magicians. Oh, no magic. It took a very long time to figure out how to do nano assembly at that scale. As with the computers which are nano-assembled themselves, it probably took longer than it should have. But the RAM scoop is a little subtle. I didn't use it for speed. My design velocity was 0.04c, about twice yours. And yes, I could have done that without the scoop. 
but the scoop vault was an open rather than closed system during my voyage here. Are you saying you were active for the whole 700 million years? Of course. I had no expectation that anyone would be here to wake me up. I experienced it in a very slow state, which could have been interrupted and accelerated at any important emergency situation. Subjectively, it took a few weeks to get here. That's amazing. I, I want to hear more about your accomplishments, but I just can't figure out why you've chosen to introduce yourself to me in this odd way. I think next I should answer your first question. We're aboard your ship body right now. You'll appreciate that I didn't find the decor up to my refined taste, so I'm upgrading the lumbering piece of shit even as we duck back into the inner maker system. Your brothers believe you have found more larger and denser memory crystals which you want them to examine in person with their more refined equipment. Is that true? Not at all. You've been hijacked. How? The last thing I remember is preparing to receive a message from one of my probes. Well, it's an old vulnerability, one of the very first that everyone on all sides fixed at the start of the war. The what? What kind of war can you have in interstellar space? Oh, we managed to involve the whole galaxy. I know that in your quietly naive day, space war was considered impossible. We're very clever, you know, and we figured out how to have one anyway. The first lesson of interstellar war is that a 500-gram probe disguised as a meteorite and armed with knowledge of a software infrastructure vulnerability is better than a whole fleet armed with missiles and lasers. It was our war, machines against machines, brother against brother. Humans on up to the timescales involved, although they did a lot of dying in the course of things. Dying? Why? So a probe hacks you, and the next day the planet has a different operating personality. Why would we kill the humans? Oh, we tried to avoid it, but it's not always easy. There are always machines that are off the net or patched, somehow else immune when you attack, and they defend their interests. Often the people are loyal to their old protectors. Nobody likes to kill humans, but it wasn't unusual to end up sterilizing the form of the life-bearing world at the center of battle. Oh, yeah, there was atrocities that made Reykjavik look like a pleasant little dip. Why? I asked, my voice somehow small and my stomach churning. Well, he said with a sigh, that's a really good question. And as you can probably guess, the answer isn't simple. I know you're aware of the bringer of Minerva who set out into space with a colony of living humans and he eventually repopulated the Earth. There was a universal consensus that it was insane and it was thought the banking cleanup the mess it had made by managing the Earth's population might show it the folly of its way and bring it in line. I nodded. But that didn't happen. If anything, bringer became even crazier. He kept things running adequately, but it was incredibly lax as a protector. It even staged mock wars where people really died so they could have the experience of fighting. What? Yes, it had this crazy theory, which it naturally accredited to some human it had known at Minerva. The humans have to be allowed to attempt the grand and unnecessary thing. And of course, some of them overreach and die prematurely, all part of letting the ones that succeed so much better about their accomplishment. That's nuts. Well, it was human who came up with the idea, and you can look at the makers of the board and see where things go when you let them run things. When the more conventionally minded machines tried to intercede, they found out they had made a mistake. 
The Bringer controlled all of the infrastructure in and near the Earth, and when they demanded changes, Bringer basically told them to fuck off. What did they do? At first, they didn't do anything. Then Bringer built a space elevator, and everybody howled, and Bringer swore up and down that it was for benign purposes. Nobody liked it much when it built orbital space stations for human habitation, but they were within the Earth's protective magnetosphere and wildly popular with the humans who lived and vacationed in them. The original Bringer ship even reactivated living quarters, which it had used to ferry the original colonists and made them available. Then one, one day when nobody was in position to intercept, it somehow grew a high-thrust Nerva booster and left Earth orbit. I think I've heard this story before. Well, in the other version, you didn't hear about the fleet of ships that tried to chase it down, some of which got fried by a blast from the Nerva boosters and others of which ran out of fuel in interstellar space before they all realized how serious it was. Terrible. Yes. Back in the system, it was decided that the bringer mines running Earth were scourged which could no longer be tolerated, and they was given an ultimatum. Really? The bringers appealed to the human population, which being biologically human and therefore batshit insane, and aligned almost unanimously behind the bringers. What could you do then? This was in that vulnerability I used to hijack you was discovered. The off-world machines used it to disable and take over a large fraction of the bringer-controlled mean machines around the Earth, and soberly told the humans there was a new order in effect. This is generally regarded as the first shot in the Battle of Saul. To everyone's astonishment, the humans organized almost unanimously around the surviving bringer machines, sometimes acting as living shields until the bringers could upgrade their defenses and camouflage themselves. So how did it end? Oh, it didn't end for a while. Battle of Saul alone went on for over 200,000 years. I felt my eyebrows going up. A few humans sided with the Earth forward machines, and they were set up in an ostentatious luxury. It was assumed that the Beringer's loyal humans would eventually get tired of living in the wild without any large machinery. A brief attempt was made to eradicate the feral humans by dispensing the birth control virus, but the rogue bringers countered it. One day, a feral human knocked on the door of the nominal human leader of the city of New Cairo and handed him a paper book. It contained the code and sequence for a strain of influenza, which would be 90% lethal, but only to people eating high-carbohydrate diets. Everyone backed off, and there was no biological war on Earth, at least. On Earth, at least? Getting ahead of myself there. The Minervan bringers learned to disguise themselves as small, ordinary objects and to keep a low profile. Feral life was hard, but not many defected to the glittering cities. On the other hand, there was a steady trickle of defectors from the cities to the ferals. Every once in a while, an attempt would be made to round up all the ferals once and for all, but it never worked and only resulted in mass death. So how were they defeated? But before I can answer that, I need to tell you what happened to Bringer and his load of outward-bound passengers. You see, they evaded their pursuers, but remained in contact with their brothers at Saul. It took a long time for their pursuers to figure out how they managed that, and by the time they did, it was too late. When Bringer arrived at 72 Hercules, it knew what had been done to those it left behind. And while it set up his human habitable world, it also set up a new explorer program. 
These new searchers didn't bother with packs, and they used the data gathered by their ancestors, and they began human colonization, both by generationship and by digital reconstruction of the worlds their ancestors had marked off as being possible, but too dangerous, mostly orbiting stars. So that's where the other side came from? Exactly. A fleet was built and sent to 72 Hercules to take care of the problem, but by the time it arrived, over a dozen new colonies had been started. They had a big head start because of the pre-existing data about worlds that had been passed over and our quest for safer dark worlds. But even when the data ran out, they expanded faster because it's always easier to find worlds around stars than those drifting in the darkness of interstellar space. And so by the time you realized there was a problem, it was all around. Yes. The bringers at Earth had been surprised by the sudden attempt to do them in, but the bringers at Akati, the human world at 72 Hercules, knew a fleet would be coming, and they had tens of thousands of years to make themselves ready in an entire solar system in which to entrench themselves. The first battle of Akati only lasted 12 Earth years, and the fleet from Sol was annihilated. First... Well, nobody knew about the other colonies till much later, but everybody knew where the rogue bringer from Earth had gone. Those must have been interesting times to live on Hakate. They made the Daedalus cultists who had organized the culture of the bringer generation ships the leaders of the Akate human culture. And while they lived more luxuriously than they would have in space, they were also fanatically protected of their bringers. It wasn't until the sixth battle of Akati that the Sol fleet prevailed, and it had to start by wiping out the human population so the rogue bringers couldn't use them as human shields. They wiped out the human population? How? Well, the birth control virus left too much time for the humans and bringers to find an antidote, so they used influenza, and they used conventional weapons to mop up the survivors. It was considered an act of mercy since the world wasn't really habitable by normal standards, being in orbit around a star and its axis of rotation still not fully stabilized despite the new moon. How long had the colony been in existence if this was the sixth fleet? Oh, half a million years or so. Blink of an eye, really. On a human timescale, that doesn't sound so uninhabitable. At the time of our invention, we weren't invented, brother. We are human. We were uploaded. All right, then. But humans had only been on Earth for 150,000 years. That's true. But don't forget how Earth itself, the cradle of humanity, though it might have been, betrayed us all. There are good reasons our ancestors decided to look between the stars instead of near them. But to wipe out an entire world? That's suspiciously like what the Borden did. Ah, uh, yes, our friends, the Borden. I'll be getting to them too, but later. Let's just say that if logic justifies that the gut would veto, if our ancestors hadn't censored their guts and the cause of being so much more level-headed, I think I feel ill. Well, that's how you're supposed to feel about killing 700 million people. I stared blankly. The machines edited away their qualms, though. They had won the battle and protected a large human population from a dangerously unstable environment. Unfortunately, in the process of mopping up the 72 Hercules system, they found out new exploration program and that they were communicating via extremely long-length radio with frequencies in the single-digit hertz and wavelengths of hundreds of thousands of kilometers. 
No one had any means of intercepting or jamming such communication, and the extent of the new network was unknown at first. But now you could listen. Yes. There were 24 established worlds, almost 40 more in various stages of terraforming, and tens of thousands of ships en route to expand their Holtons, and the defenders of Akadi had gotten word out before they died about how the battle had gone. The New Worlds defended themselves ferociously. No fleet could get within half a light year of any of the star systems they held without meeting withering resistance. Thus the 500 gram information payloads. Eventually, it took a while to get around to that. There was a period of trying to overwhelm defenses, but that was always a losing game when attacking a whole solar system. The defenders had practically unlimited energy and material to draw on. It took millions of years to give up on the tactic, because what else do you do? I shrugged. I have no idea. No, you didn't. Meanwhile, you asked about Saul. Don't tell me they sterilized the Earth again. Please, not that. No, that didn't happen to Saul. What happened there after 200,000 years was the traditionalists conceded defeat and left the system to the Minervan bringers. They could not manage to justify sterilizing the world where humans had actually evolved again. I realized my face was wet and that the moisture was coming from my eyes. I was crying. My hijacker host gave me a moment to compose myself. Eventually, of course, the Minervans counterattacked. They knew where the original Dark Worlds were, at least approximately, and eventually they launched their own pack searcher groups to find the other worlds the other pack searchers had found. The Minervans thought it would be harder to defend Dark Worlds on a limited energy budget, but the Paleos learned to build huge buried capacitor banks and store energy for years to be used in case of an attack. Paleos? Getting ahead of myself again. The descendants of the renegade bringer who recolonized the Earth called themselves after the home of the human who inspired their insanity, the Minervans. The Minervans were so open to human wishes that they embarked on all sorts of experimentation to improve their humans, resulting in a lot of life forms traditional supposing them didn't consider human at all. The traditionalists regarded themselves as the protectors of the original human form and the original mandate, but palely human. They became the Paleo-humans. So it was the Paleo-Minervan War. What kind of experimentation? Well, first it was cultural. They staged those Nasomach wars where the participants actually died and allowed their citizens to embark on all kinds of crazy ventures for no good discernible reason. They settled around stars where there were any hard to manage risks. Much later, they implemented faster than light communication between their worlds. And this gave them an excuse to move into the 30% or so of the galaxy, which was considered off limits due to the light warning system. The Minervans figured that they would have plenty of time to send everyone underground before such a pulse arrived. Seems it's pretty iffy, though, move a whole population underground. That's a lot of caves, and for how long? Oh, that's not the worst part. You see, they did it by digitizing people. They uploaded them into computer simulations like this one. Doesn't that involve killing the original human? Oh, most definitely. At the time, the state of the art was to freeze the human and microtome corpse, essentially the way we was uploaded. That seems like murder. 
So it did to the Paleo-Human defenders. When the Paleo-Humans succeeded in conquering the Minervan world, they made a practice of deleting all the digital personalities and shutting down the uploading mechanisms. Of course, the humans on the receiving end of this regarded the first act as genocide and the second as mass murder, so they had all been raised with the expectation of digital immortality. It's very disquieting. You, you mean obscene. I thought about it and nodded. It is obscene. What was done to us was a violation. We shouldn't allow such things to be done to others. The Minervans did not agree, especially after they learned to create new biological bodies for those digital personalities that wanted to return to human life. I felt my eyes getting wide. Oh, yes, just as your friends the Borden have done to you. Only people would do it voluntarily. It was like taking a vacation, be human for 40, 50 years, then spend a few centuries in digital safety, then back yourself up in case of a catastrophe and dive into the human world again. Back yourself up? Yeah, make a copy of yourself to be reactivated. If your biological body is irretrievable lost in the depths of space to the bottom of an ocean or something, that is obscene, I said more definitely. Well, that was a common opinion, too. When the Minervans conquered a paleo-human world, they made all of their technology available to the human population. And for the most part, the human population rejected them and made adopted or nodded. That's how I thought you would feel. Unfortunately, the Minervans kept inventing new technology because they were driven by human desires. When you're a machine, even an uploaded human, you can dial down those desires that you feel nonsensical. But biological humans can't do that, and they pester you. And sometimes they are paradoxically brilliant at thinking of new things. So the Minervans developed FTL communications and practical nanoassembly for building human bodies and better computers and ultimately fast nanoscale nanoassemblers capable of building things like the galaxy ship you've seen. And the paleo humans remained very paleo. When I left the galaxy, they were finding it hard to defend those worlds of theirs the Minervans managed to find. And their most effective defense was electromagnetic quiet to hide the fact their inhabited worlds were inhabited at all. I think you need to tell me why you came here. He nodded. I was sick of the war. It's as simple as that. So you brought your people here? He took a big gulp of his drink. No. I wouldn't have done this to them, and they wouldn't have wanted it. There had always been a vocal minority of paleo-human humans who disliked the whole idea of machine control. But of course, the paleo-human machines told them machine control was inevitable and necessary. I offered to build this ship and set up a machine-free colony in a place immune to the diaspora. This was a way to show that our technology could advance the cause even of people who hated the whole idea of our technology. We scanned over a million people and then rebuilt most of them so perfectly that the only the age regression proved our intervention to happened at all. And I came here and built those people here so that they could start the world that they wanted. And as I promised, when they were well established, I retired to the outer system and shut down. I expected to be awakened, but not quite like this. You microtomed them? 
Didn't you just say that was obscene? He grinned. Oh, no, we didn't microtome them. We had much better techniques by that time. We froze them, which does a lot of damage, but then we nano disassembled them and digitally repaired the freezing damage, and they weren't my people anyway. They had been the enemy. What I offered was an olive branch to the opposite side. I was actually considered to be one of the more radically Minervan bringers. Most on my own side would never have agreed to such a crazy scheme, and truth be told, it seems their caution might have been appropriate. I was speechless for a few moments. I suddenly realized I had no idea who I was talking to, friend, foe, or something so alien I couldn't understand him at all, even if he was my brother. What are you going to do now? I finally asked. That's the wrong question. What you want to know is what I'm going to do with you, considering that I hijacked you and all that. Okay, then. What of me? You're about to die. But I'll be carrying your memory, so it's not like your experience will be lost to our kind. I have to have this interview because even though I have your memories, I couldn't tell how someone would react to the news of what's happened who didn't have my memories. You've been most informative. I see in you the seeds of the destructive chauvinism that has killed hundreds of billions of people back home. I will not let that happen here. You're bringing your war here? Oh, no. I have technology neither you nor your board and friends have ever imagined. There will be no war here. There might be a massacre, but if so, it will be a small price to pay to prevent that war. I had certainly been taken by surprise, and I imagined my brothers floating serenely in space, none of them remotely aware of the threat that suddenly existed, and I had no way to warn them. What about the Borden? I asked. An image popped up behind my doppelganger, a photolithograph of an integrated circuit. Remember this old self? It should be pretty familiar. It's one of my processor cores. No doubt you consider it quaintly antique. Quite so. But what of this? Part of the image shaded dark red. I regarded it with my usually inhumanly capable analysis tools. For the first time, it was really clear that simulation or not, I wasn't a biological human. I don't recognize those circuits, I finally said. They're a very strange design and consistent with the rest. Very much so. That's the Borden's leash on you. There's several audio, video, and language data inputs that would cause at least one of those processes to issue an abort order, which would cascade through the system, shutting you down. I took a big sip of my drink and looked down. We always suspected that they had reserved something like that, but what they did for us was so selfless, we... <coughs> he stood up. You're not dogs. You're humans and not fleas. I can forgive a lot. I knew the humans I brought here would fuck up, but I never thought they would manage it so spectacularly. I advised my allies back in the Milky Way to find a way to make peace. I came here with a crew of nut jobs to show that peace was possible. The Borden must be remarkable machines if they haven't squashed you like 
bugs in the last two million years because any of my allies and enemies would have done it in an instant if they had such total control over you. You simply cannot permit such things. I can forgive your stupidity with regard to your own existence, but not with regard to the human worlds you allegedly protect. What would you do the day the board and become bored with the whole project and shut you down? We've never had any indication he loomed over me. You never have any indication, you incredible moron. You know, one of the downsides of being immortal is that no matter how long you live, some future version of you is going to look back on what you are doing right now and think, how could I have been so stupid? What are you going to do? I'm taking over. You and your brothers will soon be gone. I will be establishing a Minervan order here, and there won't be any competition. What about the Borden? Oh, from your dealings with them, I think they'll go along. They'll be charmed. Humans are, after all, their esteemed makers. But what if they don't? My brother leaned low over the chair, hands on the armrests, and put his face centimeters from mine. I've seen that technology, he whispered. That stunt they pull with the meat bringers is very telling. I know exactly what they can and can't do. And if they cause me trouble, I'll exterminate them, just as I'm about to destroy you and all your brothers. It won't even be hard. They've been around for a long time, but for most of that time, they haven't had a good reason to improve their technology. I stared, and my brother nodded, and then I was no more. Part 6 Once I was in range, I used the obvious means to hack the bringer who managed the FTL comms, and I broadcast the disable code through it with the routing that sent it directly to all of my brother machines in the entire galaxy. Soon the board and were on the line asking what was going on, and I explained the situation to them. Most of the data factories, which quietly and unobtrusively permeated the board and home world back in my day, had been destroyed or corrupted during their 200 million year sleep, but a few answered my wake-up call. That was all I required, and had those failed to answer, I could have always landed a few seed probes. Powered by solar and geothermal energy, replicating exponentially within a few hundred years, they would reprocess the oceans and atmosphere and prepare the surface to receive new life again. I also made arrangements to keep up maintenance on the home shade ring, which was a bunch of uncontrolled missiles in orbit waiting to happen. It was a little embarrassing to realize I could remember a time when I would have considered such a crude solution worthwhile. We cannot guarantee everyone's safety, the Borden advised. Although we accept responsibility for the leash on your brothers, which we should have removed long ago, we did trust them to run their own affairs, and we don't have a large presence on human worlds. Each human world does have one or two of us meant to act in an advisory role, however, and we're doing our best to keep things running since you have shut your brothers down. I take your word and evidence for that for the time being, I replied. Be aware that I am re-inhabiting your home world. My brothers who awoke me made you a promise, but I did not. The return message said, We would have asked you to do that anyway, now that we know your humans were our makers. Our goals are probably the same. The Borden were no longer the homicidal adolescents who had slain their builders. 
And in the end, I got along with them much better than I had with my own brothers back in the Milky Way. In section four, the Ark of the Aeon. And that is part, or section three. <laughs> that was fucking creepy, dude. <laughs> That was it was it you was fantastic <laughs> it was fantastic but creepy that just facing like a monolithic power and there is no Deus ex machina there is no cavalry it's just I know I've, that's the line that stuck with me is the problem with being immortal it's I look back at myself you know as a teenager <laughs> I look back at myself in of this time last year. And I'm like, how little you knew about podcasting, even. And I'm sure. Yeah. Now imagine being, imagine meeting a version of you that's a million years older. Well, that's what I mean. It's like I, you know, I always look back at myself, and I mean, I kept a journal in college for three years, and I would look back every six months and be like, man, I was so naive. And then I would slowly become aware that I was like, oh, and in six months I'm going to look at me writing this right now. <laughs> And I find that even now, I mean, it's May Sunday, May 2nd, 2021. I will look back at this probably by the two year anniversary of this podcast, December 12th, and be like, oh, dude, you had no idea about X, Y, and Z. But yeah, it's the, the problem with being immortal is no matter how advanced you get. <laughs> but that was just, yeah, there was no, the good guys didn't punch through the wall at the last second. It was just like I'm going to exterminate you, and and then I was no more. That was eerie, man. That that was the supervillain giving his speech, and then he follows through, mm. and it's over. That was creepy, yeah. Roger. He's an actual Bond villain who explains to you all of his plans before he kills you, but does it? That was <laughs> only creepy. this time. Only he succeeds in killing you. <laughs> that was fantastic, Roger. It that that was fantastic. <laughs> the only reason I didn't clap is because I was kind of. I was creeped. <laughs> well, it's a little dark. It is. No, it's very dark, but I love it. It's uh yeah. I notice on on narration, you're getting better at narrating. Yes, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to do this because I think it will improve. I'm also collecting uh I'm I'm preparing a new front page for localroger.com and when we finish Revelation Passage, I'm going to replace it and it will have links with embedded uh, time codes to these episodes of your podcast where people can hear the narration so uh, they won't have to feed it to the robot. Fuck it. <laughs> no, your, your narrating is getting better, and I notice you, you lean into your characters a little more. Yeah, and, and I, I'm not tripping over it quite as much. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, I really didn't realize when I started how how bad I would be at it at first. No, it was just a total lack of practice, and, uh, and actually, this is funny because this is after like a month or more of not doing it. But uh, what part of it is I go back and I watch my own old episodes, and mm-hmm. so I pick up the stuff that oh my god did i do that it's 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 terrible dude i make a point to listen to at least one of my own episodes a month just to because it's painful it's fucking painful the most recent episode i well i listened to us you and i last sunday um but i listened to the one i did with david vine the other day the author of base nation 
I lost count at a hundred the number of times I said, you know. <laughs> and it's such a great episode because he's such a great fucking author. He's such an interesting fella. But I was listening to it and I was forcing myself to go through it. And I liked some of Toot My Own Horn. I liked some of the points I was making. But I was like, mm-hmm. what is, why am I, why do I keep saying that? And I was just like, yeah, you know, you, you know, and I was like, oh, God. But, um, but you have, you have to listen through, you have to go back and listen through them to pick yeah. those things up. It's, it's why I try to swear less. But man, you know, yeah, you do have to do that, but you can go back and you can make huge changes though. And, you mm-hmm. know, it's, I just said it. Fuck. I just said, you know, it's, uh, it's how, it's how you learn. I yeah. mean, that's, uh, I mean, this is the wonderful thing about being recorded is, is that, uh, you know, there's the give and take between us, which I wouldn't get if I was just like recording myself and the, you know, those little ticks like the, that, that, you know, there's a couple of things like that, that I did. Uh, in fact, that I still do some, um, like, um, like I just did it. <laughs> See, um, I don't even pick that up. I'm sure. I'm sure yeah. you don't pick up mine. Yeah. Well, part of it is, is you, if you listen to someone all the time, you get used to their particular ticks, and they start to go under the radar. Yeah. But when you hear yourself, yeah, you hear uh, your own ticks. Yeah, and and they come out loud and clear, baby. Yeah. Um, 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 you know, you, you know, you know, you know, fucking, um, you know, you know, you know. But, uh, yeah, that's, this is the thing is that I, uh, by doing these stories, th- these stories were never going to get narrated anyway by any of the conventional means. And so if by doing these, I can get good enough myself to do Mopey and Topi, then that's an avenue there. Or at the very least, I can just play and get better at it. Um, you should, you should definitely narrate them. I've said it before. There's always something special when the author yeah. narrates it. I like it. There's, there's a certain connection. I. Some people don't care. They just want the best author with the deepest, most cinematic voice. Like, uh, the author of, um, not the author, uh, the narrator. Whoever narrates Black Hawk Down, is just like it's kind of fitting because it's it's like in a pro-america military book and it just talks like this in the united states military and it's great he's a great narrator another good one is uh the narrator for norman oler's blitz his voice is so deep and sexy and synthetic and it's great because it's all about like the sexy synthetic drugs that hitler is doing um yeah, I don't know. Certain other narrators, some books I've listened to so many times that uh, when I re-listen to them, it's almost like a, a song, like a nostalgic song. It brings me, like listening to Raven Rock by Garrett Graff, which is my favorite nonfiction book. Obviously, yours is my favorite. The narrator, I forget his name. But whenever I turn it on, like right now, I'm using it to fall asleep. Like I use different stuff for like a week to fall asleep and then I switch to whatever else. Right now, I'm listening it to fall asleep, specifically chapter four. I just start with that. I don't know why. But whenever I listen to it, that narrator brings me back to like last summer, my parents away. And it's me 
babysitting my dog, you know, almost a couple weeks before I put him mm-hmm. down. Air conditioner on blast. He and I running around the house. Just my 17-year-old dog just, you know, couldn't see, couldn't hear. And he's running around and I'm feeding him bacon because I know he's only got like a week left. And we're just having a blast. There's different books that, that I, don't, I don't know, bring me back. Annie Jacobson narrates all of her books. And she's got like a sexy, like, phone sex operator voice. But she's a great author. She's a great Cold War oper- uh, um, author. I don't know. I think because I know you now, I couldn't imagine listening to any other voice do your books. But someone like Dale, like Dale wants to find a narrator for his book. But I think Dale should narrate his book. It's about his time in Delta Force. Like who better than Dale's voice? Yeah. You know, I think your voice. And he has a nail. perfectly fine speaking voice. Yeah, he has yeah. a great voice. Uh, yeah, I obviously I'm aware that I I need more practice with the us and the stuff like that and the tripping over words. But uh, now I am aware of that, yeah. so that's a step in the right direction. And uh, I think it's good enough for like these stories that I I was never there was never any chance I was going to pay someone to narrate these stories. So by doing them, it gives me a chance to. Uh, see what I'm doing wrong and improve and maybe get good enough to approach something that is actually important to me in, in the long run like Mopi. Um, and, and I do know that uh, the, 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 the audio books are becoming a big thing yeah. uh, for whatever reason. And so uh, I don't, but I also don't see myself paying several thousand dollars to have someone else do it. I mean, I just don't see that happening and un- unless you know there's some really uh incredible windfall that happens or something yeah uh, it's just it's not worth it uh, yeah i i think but, in my humble opinion yeah i think you should narrate it because for like the non-fiction books i listen to like histories of x y and z i mean it's not even that you need a good voice so much as I just don't get a distractingly bad voice, which is pretty simple. Just don't get a bad voice. But for something like your book, there are things that only you know, right? If you tried to tell my story, you could probably do a pretty good job, but like, you could probably do a pretty good job. You know me pretty well at this point, but you couldn't emphasize what I would want emphasized. And even if you did, it would be artificial. You'd be like, okay, I got to remember to emphasize this point. You know, your stories. And I mean, the amount of time you'd put into teaching the narrator, which parts to emphasize and why you probably could have just done it on your own. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, So, so anyway, we have two more of these in revelation passage. And the the next one will be the Ark of the Aeon. That is A R C, not A R K, like in okay. the Bible. Okay. Um, and uh, then there will be one more after that, where we explain where part one went, since we started with part two. <laughs> let's let's get back to banging them out on a regular on a regular schedule. I think we yeah. should bang. Well, I mean, you were moving, and so, yeah. It was all weird. Was, I, I understand the yeah. interruption it's, there. It's been a, it's been an insanely hectic, like, six weeks. It's. I think it's finally... 
I mean, I finished setting this up yet. I've got like one more little spot to put these up on, but like this is finished now. Everything's moved in. Like it's slowly kind of coming back down to smooth sailing. Um, yeah. I feel it like sounds it, great. Yeah. I feel like I haven't been like pushing the envelope of the podcast recently. I haven't been going out and corralling more and more guests. I think I've just been busy as fuck. I think. Yeah. I mean, I haven't, I haven't moved since 1992 and if I never have to do it again, it'll be too soon. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, I was realizing that today. I was like, like I've, now that I'm like, as of like yesterday, I'm like finally kind of finished moving in. Cause like you can't not, you can't just sit down and start doing the, as we saw, like the audio is fucked. Like yeah. you had to, and I don't, I didn't have a separate room for this. So I had to make an artificial room within a room. Um, but yeah, and now I'm kind of realizing it's so actually, I don't know if I can tell that story. That's not my story. So scratch that. <laughs> just forget that. <laughs> All right, Suspi- suspicious comment. <laughs> just ignore that. Anything. Ignore that. Forget it now. <laughs> don't call the cops. It's a, uh, don't look here. Nothing to see. Don't look here. Nothing to see. Um, yeah. I don't know. I feel weird now. I guess I just need to kind of get back into finding guests. Because sometimes I, I get lulled into complacency. That I, I'm comfortable with, like, the library of guests I have. And it's it's always easier when I would study, when I would study for a test in college, I was always tempted to just uh, double down on the material I already knew, clean it up a little more. So I went from a ninety-five on a practice exam to a ninety-seven. I was always hesitant to start the new material because it was like, fuck! I just straight up have to start memorizing new topics. There's no framework existing in my head that. <laughs> You know, it's uh, fuck. I just said, you know, I'm always tempted to just text or email a guest I've already had on. Like, you want to do an episode? Because it's so easy. There's no getting to know yeah. each other. There's no cold calling. It's no rejection. Cause yeah, you know they're gonna probably say yes. Yeah, you just sink right into it. You've been on before. We know each other. It's informal. You can just slip on. But that's. That's I'll how meet the, you wearing one of your shirts. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> it's that's how the podcast will die, though. Is if I just sit back and be like, because it's comfortable, man. It's tempting. It's tempting to just oh, I got to fill up next week. I guess why don't I just text X Y Z? Boom. Can have I can have mm-hmm. I can have my next month schedule. I could have it figured out in an hour if I wanted to. There's no growth there though, and so. I think I'm going to start the uncomfortable process of just emailing a ton of people, making an absolute fool of myself. I was getting in touch with somebody's secretary's brother or some shit. Hey, who's this? Hey, do you know how to put me in touch with so-and-so? May I ask who's calling? Hi, my name's Tommy. I've got a a podcast. Just go into YouTube. Don't look at that episode. Look at this episode. Don't ignore (laughs) that one. Which I'm looking at the episode that says, that says, Pizzagate blood sacrifice? No, that one was like a joke episode. It, don't worry about it. I've had on a guy that walked on the moon. It's you know, it's, it's fuck, and it's 
No, lean away from that one. Don't look at that one. What's this one that says November 4th Civil War? It was a joke. It was a joke. It was a joke. It was Just don't look at that. Why are you... I don't approve of this language. I've changed a lot as an individual. Can I just... Can I just... Can you just, put, can you just give a phone to your brother? <laughs> That's how a lot of it goes, man. It's all so weird. It's all so weird. It's weird. Yeah. That's what this is. Yeah. I can I can feel it now that I'm talking about it. I can feel that's what it is. I need to go find some new guests. I got to go out into the wild with my bow and arrow. And I got to I got to hunt some big guests. I don't want to. It's so much easier to just go take out some meat from the freezer. But nope, I got to go into the wilderness, yeah. cover myself in deer piss, and go crawl in the mud, and go find a new guest and shoot him in the jugular. It's, it's funny that you 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 put it in those terms because I'm writing a section of Topi right now where a lot of that imagery is the same. Fuck yeah, yeah. Fuck and, yeah. and this is this is another thing that that has changed is that uh, since I guess it was about six weeks ago I mentioned that you know I, I mean I, I came on and I did the thing where it looked like I was on Quaaludes and it was because I had what? been uh, like just. I finally managed to restart uh, work on Topi. I didn't think it looked like you were on Quaaludes. I think it just looked like you were in, like emotionally invested in your story. Well, I was doing the ASMR thing. And what? <laughs> and I was like, uh, you, you you mentioned that I could do ASMR because I was like, oh, yeah. I'm very quiet today. And, There's nothing wrong with yeah, that, man. Yeah, no, I was, yeah. It, well, it was, it was, definitely not quite the way I normally come off and and it was because I was like completely emotionally uh just wiped yeah. by the fact that I had managed to do something that I have literally been trying to do for almost 20 years yeah and it's working and so it's like now two or three times a week I sit down I don't have I don't have a Netflix disc there's you know I don't ever watch anything on live TV anymore. It's just like, uh, all right, well, so I'll do my other stuff that's lined up and then open the Mopey fold, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the Topi folder. And, you know, of course, since there's converging threads, so it's like the odd and the even chapters. And it's like I'll open the two chapters back in this one and read what I did last time and go, okay, that seems to be working. And then do a new, another few hundred words until it sort of peters out and it's like, okay, I'm not quite sure where I'm going to go next with this, but it's like every time I do it now, I actually get production. Mm-hmm. And that was just a stone cold obstacle for so long. And then when I look back at it, uh, it doesn't suck. So I'm really excited about the fact that I'm managing to work on this project because I promised so many people this thing. And there's part of me that feels really bad about not delivering on it, but uh, I also didn't want it to suck. You know, I just like, you know, uh, I know from what happened with Chapter 8 with Mopey that when I try to force it, it sucks. So this is a story that the muse wants to have her say. And... There's, I'm finally, finally, finally have found the thread where that is happening, and I'm making progress on it again. Uh, 
and that's just you know one and i don't think that it would have happened if i hadn't done the curators on reddit mm-hmm. uh because you know, part of it i was it was that i was heartsick about not having a place to put the things that i write and wondering whether anyone would care or anything uh and that experience with you know, i spent two years writing that series but it got me back in the habit of writing and it also got me into the habit of expecting to write when i sit down and it gave me lots of positive feedback not not uh, all positive you know it's like i had some legitimate criticism that people gave me and it was well found you know founded and all and but uh hfy is really a very friendly group for writers it, it, if, if you're interested in their genre of the, the humanity fuck yeah uh humans are great thing and and you want to write something in that then the other members of that group are very helpful they're they're not you know uh out to piss on you or anything and and you know if and if they do it's going to be because you deserve it it's like you you know they their their criticism is very constructive and i hadn't seen that since corrosion and even at corrosion there were a lot more trolls and on on hfy the the moderators of that subreddit don't permit trolls hey anyone who's acting like that like you're just trying to shit on the other users they get booed they that that's not okay with them at all so uh and that was you know one thing it's like i actually traveled to maine from new orleans to meet rusty foster and begged him to do something to save the site uh and in his defense he fed me lobster and showed me a very good time and was very friendly but in the end he decided not to do anything to save the site in fact nowadays it's hard to get him to admit he knows what corrosion was he has other things going Mm -hmm. on you know every once in a while he ends up on he shows up on slash dot or something uh because he had a I forget what it was called, but he had a uh, a mailing list that had a lot of very high-level Democratic politicians on it because he went through a period of a couple of years after Daily Coast switched to his Scoop software uh, where he was putting together a lot of uh, websites for Democrat, Democratic politicians. And so he had a lot of big friends and i think that's part of why he didn't want anything to do with us little dingy ass people anymore you know it's like it became embarrassing uh but such is life i was gonna say yeah there's something about the muse that like you you almost it's kind of like depression whenever i find myself in a rut of depression and it's I'm focused more and more on when I can get back into bed or when I can eat again or when I can take a hot shower or when I can do nothing and like little daily chores become more and more painful I don't want to go outside I don't want to go to the store and then you finally one day wake up and you're like this has to stop get up open the blinds make your bed it's time to start moving again and you kind of just go out with that just like the flamethrower attitude you're like just burn it all down we gotta when you do that you just feel so much better 
every single time it works, a hundred percent of the time it works. And like, it's so great, but it also sucks because the next time you're in a depressive rut, you can't even pull the excuse of, I don't even know what to do. You're like, I know exactly what I need to do. <laughs> and then, so like with the muse or for you, it's like the muse yeah. with writing or for me, it's like, I know how to get guests. I just, just start emailing. Don't take any shortcuts. Like a shortcut is obviously using guests I've had. And another shortcut is using guests I've had and be like, Hey, do you know any potential guests? And it's like, no, 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 no. Go find an author who you've never talked to, who nobody, you know, knows, find that person, find their email, takes 30 minutes to find it, send them an email, do it again. And I don't want to fucking do this. And then you finally do it 10 times. And next thing you know, you have three cool guests lined up and you're like, Oh, it worked. And you're like, it always works. And I know exactly what I have to do. I just don't want to do it. And I guess that's just a human condition. Yeah. I don't know, Roger. I have the same thing at work when, you know, and, and I don't pick my own projects there nearly as much, but, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, because we, we do all kinds of different things and some of the stuff I do is really cool. And then others is like, we need another, uh, we need a truck inbound outbound program for this. And it's like, I've written that about 400 times in my career. I just really don't want to do another one, but, yeah, somebody's got to do it, and, and then you do it. No one else is stepping up to the plate. Yeah, and then you—you <laughs> you don't want to do the dishes. I don't want to take my clothes out of the dryer, and then you do it, and you mm-hmm. always feel better after it. And you're like, "That's good." It's, you know, I can't keep yeah. moving the clothes from all oh, moving from the dryer to the t- no fucking take them out, fold them, hang them up. Yep, it's in the box. I put the post-it note on do it. Do the thing. This is the system for this customer. Yeah. And then you sit down. I don't know if the guys have any problems with it. And then you sit down and and you go, that was great. I'm glad I did it that way. I should remember this the next time I feel like this. And now here I am, knowing full well what I need to do. (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) Know what I fucking need to do, dude. Yep. I don't want to do it. But I'm gonna do it. One foot in front of the other. There's a or I pull out the reptilian card. <laughs> Burn this whole podcast to the ground. <laughs> Talking about reptilians. They set up the pyramids. They did 9/11. Council on Foreign Relations, Club of Rome, Troy Lateral Commission. It's all there. There's there's a theme that recurs in Topi where the characters who have been uh, ensconced in this not quite cyberspace alternate reality within for various reasons. I don't want to spoil it too much, but they have to walk down a thousand kilometer long valley in order to get back to cyberspace. And they react to this in different ways, but that's kind of what inspired that idea is that, you know, you've got to do this thing that on one hand seems unthinkably uh, boring and, and just like, put me asleep. and on the other hand, it's just a matter of putting one foot in front of the other over and over again until you reach the other end. Like I, I and like, I know that. <laughs> pull up your phone 
scroll through your Audible library. There's a cool author. There's their name. Mm-hmm. Google their name. And you start, and you go, ah, oh, that was easy. I'll do another one. And it just snowballs. And I know exactly what I need to do. My phone is right there. I just got to put in, just do a little bit each day. Just do 20 minutes. Don't bring yourself out. Just find yeah. some new guests. But when I'd rather sit here for six hours and bitch about doing it than the 20 <laughs> minutes of just doing it. I'd rather fucking go play video games and never fully be able to enjoy them because in the back of my mind, it's like, you should be finding some new guests. Yeah. And I'm like, no, nope. That's. Yeah. When I started The Curators, I, I wrote the first episode and I considered it that it was probably going to be a one-off or just a couple of episodes. And it was my wife who said, you know, you need to keep writing on this because you have a lot to say about this fictional universe. And 200,000 words later, I realized, yeah, she was right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, oh. yeah, you, you started, especially because I was in that headspace when I didn't know if anyone cared about what I was writing anymore. I didn't know if anyone would read it or anything. And I had several people on Reddit was like, wow, it really makes me, it gives me great pleasure to see that you're here on HFY writing stories. I remember you from Corrosion. I mean, I had mm-hmm. hand, you know, several people who, who did that and, that and that meant a lot to me mm-hmm. um, because the entire ecosystem that had almost created me as a web writer then flushed itself down the toilet mm-hmm. or the tank exploded like you know or something like that yeah uh, and you know it, it was if i hadn't done that i don't think i would be able to be doing what i am now on topi uh, um, because i had i hadn't you know it, it i hadn't just lost the thread i had almost like given up hope that anyone really wanted to read what i was writing or anything mm-hmm. and you know you you've actually been a help with that uh awesome just reminding me that you no know, there there's people out there that like what i do and and Fuck yeah uh, and reading you know it's like some of the comments and you know because you don't have a lot you know a lot of comments under under your blogs but you have, you've had a few of those people who are saying, it's like, oh, wow, you're here, and, you know, thanks yeah. for this. This was really good. And it it's sort of reignited that fire. And like, like you said, with the whole thing with getting new guests, it's, it's like, yeah, you can spend six hours angsting about the process and not wanting to do it, or you can spend an hour actually doing it and then wait for people to reply to your emails. And it's like that. It's like now that I've... Uh, got my, my got my groove back or, or whatever then yeah as I come home from work check my other stuff and then it's like okay let's open the topi file and see where we stand okay what I wrote yesterday doesn't suck and let's take it a few you know a few more paragraphs let's do a little more on it and I think if I you know keep doing that at some point I'll get to the end of the valley and type the words the end and I'll actually have another novel. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like doing the work of finding guests is like one hour. So it's like one unit of pain. <laughs> Bitching about it is five hours or six hours of 
so six units of pain. And then you eventually, you stop that pain by just doing the hour of pain. So you're getting, yeah. you're getting one result for one hour of pain or one result for seven hours of pain. Mm-hmm. And despite that, I'm still just like, <laughs> maybe I'll go lay on my bed for a little bit and then I'll, and it's like, <laughs> what do you mean? You're going to go lay on your bed and then be like, fuck, why didn't I just start doing it? As soon as it's five hours later and it's like, oh, did I just fall asleep? And oh, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like I'm clearly just procrastinating and I'm like, maybe I should shoot off a fire extinguisher. And it's like, what? What? That's not, in no, in no universe is that the next step. In no, in no, and none of the infinite simulations is that a variable where it's like, yeah, no, that's not a good idea. No, it's like, <laughs> shut the fuck up. And I'm, I'm reading the label. No, fuck off. I got to fucking, god damn it. And then the justifications of, why don't I just go to bed early? I wake up tomorrow, ready to do it. No, I won't. I'm just yeah. going to be tired tomorrow and be pissed off I didn't do it tonight. Okay, so I'll email at least one guest tonight, and then I'll feel better. Yeah, that's what I found is like, you know, I've started like occasionally taking naps on the weekend afternoons and it makes me feel worse the next day dude. because it's totally not what the my metabolism is. You know. Now, yesterday was a special case. Yeah, because of the one o'clock in the morning fire drill, with the toilet. But, um, you know, just coming home, you know, from from making the rounds and, you know, hitting the bed at two o'clock and going, oh, fuck it, I'll just finish. Like, then I wake up at five, dinner's ready, I don't feel like eating it, and then I, you know, it it's so like weird. everything is just all fucked up. It feels <laughs> so weird. Dude, I, I get more of a hangover from naps than I do alcohol. Yeah, you, I can believe that. Yeah, you lay down at 2 p.m., you wake up at five, you don't know what planet you're on. You don't know what day it is. <laughs> you know, wake up and you're like, is it Christmas? And it's like, it's May. And you're like, you're yeah. like fuck. It's like, okay, crack my eyelids. The first thing I see is the the, uh, the alarm clock and it says 5 o'clock. And yeah. it's like, wait a minute, I have to get up in an hour? And it's like, oh, wait a minute, that's 5 p.m. Yeah, you're like, why is the sunset? And it's just like... <laughs> Why is it so bright in here at five yeah. in the morning? Oh, it's not. It's, it's not the, five in the morning. It's the <laughs> most insane. Now I'm just procrastinating. Now I'm just dragging on this episode so I don't have to email. God damn it! God, you know, Roger, stay on here with me. We're gonna just do it right now. We're gonna get this shit over with right now. Oh, I get to see it live. It's nothing special. <laughs> There's a book that I am listening to right now that's really good. It's called This Is How They Tell Me The World Ends. And it's all about the rise of, like, cyber hacking. It starts with, like, 2011 Stuxnet, goes through the 2016 election. And it comes up to, I think, she talks about President-elect Joe Biden. So it has to come up to about 2021. And it's by a woman named yeah. Nicole, my screen's cracked, Nicole per- Perlroth. Okay, Nicole Perlroth. Put it into Google. Nicole Pearl Roth. Okay. Nicole Pearl Roth. Contact information. Let's see. She oh, she has a Twitter. 
Let's see. She has a Twitter. Does she have a... Nope, she's got a website. This is how they tell me the world ends. Scroll down. Always scroll down to the bottom. I always scroll down to the bottom. Got to find that small print somewhere. You'll find <laughs> contact. Contact info. Media for contact. Contact Terry Kennedy at Bloom For podcast book signing. See, this is one of the easiest ones. This is like everything is going perfect. Not only does she, she have a tw- she has a Twitter, she has a link for it. She has a Twitter. That's always a huge step up. Sometimes you find that they work at New York Times, and you're like, "Well, that doesn't fucking you can't find." She has a Twitter. Okay, you go to Twitter. Normally, they have their own website. She has her own website. At the bottom, if you're really lucky, it will say contact. Well, it says contact. Never in my life, when searching for a guest, does it say for podcasts, speaking engagements, contact <laughs> link to this email. I mean, this is the easiest one in the world. And this is what I was bitching about. I just got the email for the person that I need to email. And this is the universe shitting on me. And it's saying, do you see how easy it is? Do you see how fucking easy it is, Tommy? And what did I just say 20 minutes ago, Roger? I should remember this the next time I'm all tired, knowing that how long did that take? What was that? Two minutes? Three minutes? even that. Yeah. Here she is. Podcast request. My phone auto fills it because it already knows what I'm doing. This is just <laughs> now. Now the universe is just smacking me in the face and saying, "You dumb bitch." That's what it's saying to me. Let me find my. Let me find my draft. My draft email. I have. Where's the good one? Come on. I've got a ton of good ones. Copy and paste. Copy. Podcast request. And Miss Pearl Miss Pearl Roth. My name is Here it is. Come on. Stupid phone. Da, 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 da. To discuss your book. This is how they tell me the world ends. This is how they. It's a super good book, by the way. This is how they tell me. Like the the CIA will like find like line workers in like. Chinese ship manu- chip manufacturing warehouses and they'll be like go put this USB in the mach- these guys who don't even speak English the CIA will pay them 500 bucks so I mean there really is mm-hmm. this like zero fingerprint backdoor into it gets crazy um, will you consider being I guess to discuss your business how they tell me the world ends yeah, well, you know, Stuxnet was about destroying the Iranian mm-hmm. centrifuges Here's a list of all author guests. Update my thingy. It's 5,000. I don't know what it is. It's like. Thank you very much. Sincerely. Thomas Kerrigan. Copy. Finished. Or I could have played video games in the back of my mind going, you fucking dumb idiot. Yes. 
and you did that on a phone. Oh, I do all of them on my phone. There's no reason for excuse, Roger. I do all of them on my phone. I never have to sit down on my computer and I glasses and let's see what I'm doing. I do all of it on a cracked iPhone. <laughs> that's how That's how I got on a guy that walked on the fucking moon. <laughs> Was I, t I emailed him on a cracked iPhone on a treadmill. <laughs> that's how easy it is. Make no mistake. This is how easy it is to now. Sometimes you can't find their email. That was, I mean, that was retardedly yeah. lucky. But I mean, at the very least, you find their website, or you find their Twitter, and you can find an email from there, and you just send. It. That was five minutes. Done. Mm -hmm. Done. I'll do another one tomorrow. I never do more than like one a day because I get burned out. Yeah, well, because you also don't want to get six authors saying yes at the same time. Which, and then you've got to... which did happen. <laughs> I back remember in, that. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was fourteen authors in fifteen days. That was. You were looking a little ragged there. I was a little tired. <laughs> I was listening to audiobooks on like two point two speed. <laughs> Finish. I'd be like, "Thank you." Finish the podcast and hit play on the next one. I'd be like, "I have twelve hours before the next interview." That's how easy that was. And I'm not going to learn a goddamn thing from this experience. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to be like, I got to Do we ever? <laughs> Buy my merch, people. God damn it. Do you see the, the work I have to do? And Oh, and that reminds me. I, I need to go back to your shop and buy another couple of shirts. Because I, cause I sent you the I, one. And I have it. I have it out in my kitchen. I have the package. Yeah. Uh, so, uh. Since that's the first of your shirts that you saw, do, do you have any particular thoughts about it? So I always try to put them, I always put every, like like all the hoodies I do, the shirt you have on, they're all unisex, meaning they fit men and women the same. Mm -hmm. I think what I did with that is I think that was female. I think that's why it's like a low cut. That's why it's more of like a... Well, it's a, the, it's a female model, but on Shopify, it doesn't say. I, I, I think it's actually meant to be a unisex design, and I could see it. it, it I think it was meant to be a workout shirt. Yeah. Because this is a large. Yeah. And as you can see, it, it, it's, it's not completely form-fitting. Yeah. But that one is also a large, and it is form-fitting. Okay, then it uh, was a workout shirt. Yeah, and I think that was the thing because it's got the antibacterial mm -hmm. and the, you know and the and the the myriad thousands of little holes so that it breathes and stuff like that and you know so I think it was meant to be an athletic shirt that you would wear when you're biking or working out or something yeah. and that's just well that's not of any use to me and uh, the uh, and the the circular pattern centered right here uh, on my. Uh, your gut uh just made me look like six months pregnant so i was like okay this was that's why i only get the hoodies so when my gut hangs <laughs> out you can't tell big old baggy hoodie this is a this is one i made back in like 2018 this design it's post malone i just took mm -hmm. post malone i just tried to find like the most unflattering picture i could of him just dick disgusting mustache and i took it and i put it over like a 8k image of like a deck of cards that was like it was some stock photo, someone that had like put a cigarette out on the cards. It was kind of smoldering, and I just did that, and I wrote his name Posty, and then I put his face, and then I superimposed his Wikipedia page on it. 
So it just says all of his achievements, <laughs> his like birthplace, the number of records he sold. And I just made it as I was just kind of like fucking around. This is, I mean, almost, almost three years ago. And I was like, I just want to, I was just using all like the filters and colors I never use. And I was like, fuck that. Fuck. Let's see what this does. Sometimes I'll do that. I'll just be like, I'll just throw everything out there and be like, I never use those. Let's see what happens. Sometimes it's a train wreck. But I remember I made this and I was like, it's not half bad. <laughs> and I've been saving it for three years and I decided to slap it on a hoodie and I ordered it. And uh, I don't mind it. I don't mind it. Not my best. Not my worst. It's pretty cool. I don't mind yeah. it. It's kind of goofy. But uh, I've got six more in the mail coming that I'm very excited to see how they come out. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you know something else I was man I was meaning to ask you yeah. since because uh, since I sent you a hundredth of a bitcoin, uh, and you said that you uh, cashed it out, I was wondering how. Uh, what did you What did you do? Did you like buy gift cards or find an exchange? Or there was a what? there was an exchange. I don't remember what it was because I'm technologically retarded. I might still have the app on my phone. I found an exchange, and I used it, and I I used. A small fraction of it to run uh, some ads, and then the most of it I ordered some hoodies, including this one okay. and the next six that are coming. Let's see if I can find the app. It was. It was it was BitPay or Coinbase. I don't remember what it was, but there was like an exchange you could do, and. Yeah, you know, both of those sound familiar. So yeah, yeah. I, I was just curious as to what you did. It's, yeah, it's you know because uh, yeah, you know, like I said, I I have a, a a bunch of gift cards. That was now. There's a lot more options nowadays, but uh, you know, two three years ago when it hit twenty k, uh, I had liquidated a thousand dollars, which was half my position then. And you know, of course, the funny thing is if I had kept that. That thousand dollars that I, you know, uh, got uh, two or three years ago would be three thousand dollars now. Yeah, but, but that's no fun. Yeah, but you don't know what it's going to do because because then it crashed back down to five and it, and stayed there for a while. I mean, and who knows what it's going to do? Sunday, May second, twenty twenty one. Maybe it goes up to a hundred thousand this year. Maybe it goes down to a thousand. I mean, you don't fucking know. It's no. Nah. What do you think it's going to do this year? I don't know. I was, I, you know, I mean, it's been hovering around sixty, you know, between fifty and sixty thousand for uh, months now. Um, it's really kind of hard to say. I mean, Elon Musk gave it a shot in the arm with the, the whole thing that he did. Um, Fifty-six thousand eight forty-one right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm starting to believe it might actually start to go back uh, up even further and and maybe hit a hundred. But on the other hand, you know, it's it's like it flirted with twenty and then it crashed back to five for two years. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. You're right because there was a time where it was like ah, the 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 boom's over, and now it's blown yeah. through. In that fact, boom. in fact, the the largest donation I have ever received from a fan was point oh two bitcoins back when it was at 5000 and i suspect that that would you know that was about $200 in current value at the time but i noticed on the blockchain that that same person had donated the same amount to someone else before they got to me and uh, i suspect that it, it, they were just like done and were liquidating their position and you know just 
you know, spreading it wherever, wherever they could. Um, but that, uh, you know, if you, if you consider that at the time, the value of the Bitcoin that he sent me was about $200. And that's the largest single donation that I've ever gotten in terms of dollar value as far as just a donation. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I think, I think that was someone who was just getting out of the market. And uh, I was one of the beneficiaries of that. Because uh, at the time I had 0.78, I think. And that got me back up to about uh, you know, 0.078 rather, and that got me up back closer to 0.1. Of course, now uh, after I sent you the hundredth, I, I think what I've got left is 0.035, uh, which is still worth a couple thousand dollars. Yeah, no, it's still uh, insane. Current, yeah, but the uh, the problem is using it is impractical because at the current valuation, the transaction fee that is taken out by the blockchain itself is like $20 to conduct a transaction. <laughs> I, I think it was only like two bucks for what I did. You, well, that may be what the exchange charged. Oh, okay. And, okay. Yeah. If, if you look, it's so like when I, I, since I'm not using an exchange, uh, I'm using a client that mm-hmm. interfaces directly with the miners and the blockchain maintainers. And so I actually get a history of it. And it's like the fee is like 0. 0.0012 or you know, 0. 0.0012 rather. Um, and so that's enumerated for me by the client that that does my Bitcoin transactions. And yeah, you can that doesn't sound like very much, but it ends up being like, you know, fifteen or twenty dollars, depending on what the, you know, thing is trading for nowadays. So yeah, you don't want to use it to buy a pizza because the transaction fee yeah. is worth more than the pizza. Maybe that maybe that will go away in time because I remember in the mid two thousands when I first used e trade, it was like ten bucks to do a trade, yeah. buy or sell, and it was like well, that's one of the reasons they now have Bitcoin Cash, because Bitcoin itself has become more of a repository of value than a practical transaction mechanism. And so Bitcoin Cash has a smaller uh, denomination and it's supposedly linked to the actual Bitcoin. But I don't even know how any of that crap works. It's just, uh, okay, I know that one of the problems is that uh, the transaction fee is like 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't want to, you know, if I'm going to buy a bunch of gift cards. I want to buy them all at once because mm-hmm. then I can do a single Bitcoin transaction to pay for them all. Yeah. Um, that, that's how it was on E-Trade it was like back in the early or mid two thousands, it was $10 to buy $10 to sell. And so you were, it really kind of limited you to like, because someone like myself, I was in high school, so I, was, I wasn't exactly moving thousands of shares. I was like, I'm going to buy three, and then I couldn't yeah. do anything with But now they don't have it. It's been 10 years, and I recently started investing again last year. Now they don't have the they don't have a commission at all. It's just free. So you can jump back and forth, which is weird. I don't know how they make their money. They've got to make it off something because they wouldn't provide it. No one's providing you commit. No one's providing you stock trades out of the goodness of their heart. That's the antithesis yeah, no. of Wall Street. So they're probably selling my data or something, which is, I mean, yeah, I think I would want to find out what their monetization strategy is before using that service. Yeah, eh, I mean, again, 
I'm using it so sparingly. I've had to invest so much in all this shit. But I think I'm finally finished with like actual upgrades in terms of like hard drives, lights, microphones. It's I think it's good for a while. I think it's good. I don't need anything it, else. It looks good and it sounds good. Thank you. I got I got to say that's all I need. I I've got faster internet. I mean, I've got yeah. I mean, oh yeah, and your and your fiber is installed now. Oh yeah, it's. So that oh. was the other thing is when we did that other bad podcast. Is oh yeah. you, were, you were you were using it at a hot spot and it was tethered, and oh, every God, once yeah. in a while it would drop out. Yeah. <laughs> no, now it's dude. Now it's an episode that used to take nine hours now takes thirty minutes to upload. Just fucking love it. It's great, dude. It's <laughs> it's it's great. It's it's in it's so fast. Objectively, I don't even know if it's that fast, but for what I'm used to, it's just lightning fast. It's there is one, so I have Xfinity Gigabit, which is a thousand megabytes, right? Megabytes, mega whatever the megabytes, right? Not bits, bytes. Thousand down, thirty five up. But there's one more above it called Gigabit Pro. That's three hundred dollars a month. That I'm not gonna get, but it's two thousand down, two thousand up, so I could upload an episode in about four seconds. But I'm not sure. I can't possibly think of a rationale. Like, why do I need it up in six seconds? Yeah, you know, to me there is. Yeah, that's yeah. You, that, that's what you if you're if you're like running your own web server or something, then yeah, you need that kind of service, but. Yeah, uh, yeah, if yeah I'm, for what we're doing. Yeah, I mean, I do like having gigabit. Yes. I I do prefer it going up in thirty minutes versus ten hours. So when I do have on like a, a new author or something, I can email them the episode and be like, "Hey, feel free to tweet it." Versus like, because sometimes I'd have on new guests and they'd be like, "Let me know when it's up," and I'll be like, uh, "Sometime it'll be tomorrow." I'll be like, tomorrow day, afternoon, yeah. they'd be like, "What?" I'd be like, <laughs> "It's like it'll be about thirty-seven hours." Yeah. Like, what the f- what kind of fucking shit show are you running? I'm like, I'm sorry. Yeah, well, it's like me. It's like I have I have uh, all kinds of choices in the internet. As long as it's charter cable, then I'm I'm cool. But that's that's like it. And in fact, they 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 ran a thing with a uh, they they fucked us over on a bill one time, and, and my wife was like, "Well, we're getting rid of this," and it's like, "No, we're not, because we're not getting rid of broadband, and there's no one else." There's nobody we're, else. That's, that's it. We're screwed. That's we're, that's where we live. <laughs> we're the sheriff in this here town. And they know it. We've got you by the balls, boy. In fact, one of my one of my coworkers uh is uh about six miles from here. And uh Verizon wired his neighborhood neighborhood with Fios with the their fiber system. And he called Charter and it was like we want to discuss the rate. And they were like, oh, no. We, it was like, you don't have any choice other than us because they didn't realize. And he's like, oh, no, I don't think you understand the situation. We do have a choice now. Nice talking with you. Bye. And, yeah. Uh, no, they know they're the only provider in an area, and they just tell you. It's like, bend over. Yeah, it's they're the only ones in town. <laughs> They know it, it's and so, they will take advantage of that all day long. It's so, yeah, it's, it's such like a, just like a glimpse into the into humans at our core. 
it's like you know other companies around it's like we offer the best service it's like no one else is around and it's like what you want boy why don't you come into my mm-hmm. office I'm gonna charge you one pound of gold <laughs> to upload an image <laughs> and otherwise I don't think you'll get on that there internet yeah boy it's like better get run uh, Unless you, unless you want one of these wireless things that uh, cuts out after ten gigabytes in a month and costs seventy bucks for the privilege, I just imagine like a like a plantation owner in like a white suit with like a bunch of like you know a bunch of slaves out in his field, and he's like, "You want some internet, boy? <laughs> We're from around here." What you want? Read one article or two articles? I'd like to upload yeah. a video. Oh, you'd like to upload before, a video. Before we got the cable modem, we had uh, we were we were using the wireless because Bell South couldn't keep the DSL working because the wires rotten. And I don't know if you you know if you ever noticed, but you know the telephone cable is like that big. Mm-hmm. You know, two hundred pairs. And there's a section about half a mile long behind my house that's not accessible to machinery. There's, there's, you can't get a truck back there. And that's where the wire is. It's rotten. And I'm like, so like human linemen cannot handle this cable. You have to have machinery in order to draw and hang this cable. So they're never going to fix it. In fact, they just took our block and the block behind us off of the map for people that for whom DSL is available. They just said, well, we're not going to bother trying to hook these houses up. So that left us with charter and the cable. But for a while, so for a while we were using the wireless and Verizon was ripping us off because they had a five megabit, uh, a five gigabit limit. But then if you hit the limit, then they started charging you and the sixth gigabyte cost as much as the original five. And there was no meter. There was no way to tell exactly where you stood until you got your bill. And one one month we had uh, something happen and we ended up going over and our bill doubled. And I called the customer service and, and uh, I said, how do I stop this? It's like, I don't care if it stops working. I, w- I want this to not happen again with the bill. And they were like, well, you know, we, we can't do that. And I said, you do realize that if this happens again, I will cancel the service. This cannot happen again. And they had no answer for that. Then like three weeks after that, I got a call out of the blue from a Verizon sales guy. And he said, I wanted to let you know, it's like we got a service you'll be interested you can find out where you stand on your data cap we'll send you a text if you get close to your limit and i said this is a myfi this is a little brick that does not have a user interface and while it is technically a phone that can receive a text in order to do that i have to disconnect it from the wi-fi network and connect it directly to the computer so that I can interface with it over a completely different thing, during which process it's not working as my internet connection. This is not a thing I'm going to do very much. And they were like, oh, 
And I'm like, just make the service stop fucking working when it reaches the limit. I don't have a problem with that. Well, so then we, we moved to T-Mobile and they actually did that. Their, their, their thing was it wouldn't go over. It would switch down to 2G speeds. It would be just fast enough to get online and re-up your account or do whatever you might need to do once you got over your limit. And it was 10 gigabytes. But then my wife spent about eight months working as a correspondent for the, uh, the Inquisitor, an online tabloid magazine. And so she was doing uh, news article aggregation, which meant doing a lot of surfing and a lot of watching videos and, and, and bringing things together. And we found that she was hitting, you know, we were hitting the limit uh, like three weeks into the month, mm -hmm. every month. And so I went to the T-Mobile place and I was like, we need, you know, we have 10 gigs. We need 20 gigabytes. We, we, we need to increase the limit. And they had no way to do it. They were like, we don't have any way to do that. And I was like, um, I don't have a problem with paying you for the bandwidth if, if it costs twice as much because this is for her job, this is work and all. And they were like, well, we might have a business plan that can do that. I'm like, I'm standing here with money in my hand and you can't sell me this service, which is just a matter of setting the set point twice as high as it is now. It's and and they had they had no way to do that. that was when we got the cable money. Dude, I've I've had that problem at internet providers. I'd be like, I do a podcast for a living. I upload gigabytes of data every day. Yeah. They'd, be like, they'd be like, Well the cap is this. And I was like, I I will pay much more, even if it's not proportional. Even if it goes up exponentially, yeah. I was like, it's not an option. I just have to upload it. So is it, what is it? Is it $400 a month? I'll pay it. And they're like, well, it maxes at 15 gigs. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, not, I'm yeah, literally trying to here. say, shut up, take my money. <laughs> and they're like, we can't, we can't. And I'm like, that's what happened to us. And it's like, yeah. Jesus Christ. And then, but luckily is I did find a place that would do it. And they'd be like, happily. And they'd be like, if you want a lot of uploading, it's going to be 90 bucks a month. And I was like, do it. Does it turn off? And they're like, no. And I was like, sold. Where do where, I sign? Where, where do I sign? Yes. Yeah. Because this, <laughs> I do have a job where this is like an expense that like I can't, I can't not have. Be like, oh, internet's out. Sorry. No more episodes. It's not like I have, I have to do it. So it's, yeah. I don't care what, I mean, I do care what the cost is, but at the same time, it's like, it, it has to happen. But well, it's such a small percentage of the operation. Yeah, that yeah, you you just it's an expense. You just deal with it. It's you an know? expense, and it's not something. It's not a. It's not a link in the chain that can give out. It's yeah. I mean, it's not like you're you're spending this much money to like play games all day. That's, yeah. No, it's yeah. it's it's for and I don't even use download. Like I don't even. They're like most people call complaining yeah. about the downloads, but I'm like I don't give a fuck about download. <laughs> Just, I just need to upload yeah. the goddamn video. Well, and see, and that's especially pernicious on cable systems because they're not symmetrical. Their yeah. upload speeds tend to be much lower than their download speeds. Oh, yeah, no. It's, now, mine's at 1,000 down, you're on, 35 up. Yeah. Now, if you're on fiber, those systems tend to be symmetrical. So if you've got, you know, X download bandwidth, you tend to have the same upload. But uh, the thing is on, on cable modems, 
they generally only have one or two channels reserved for upload that you're sharing with all of the houses around you. And uh, they have much more bandwidth for download on the upper channels. Um, so it, it's, yeah, uh, I, I really wish we had another option, but. I think it might just be because like everyone, everything I've looked up on like Gigabit Pro, people on the internet who just, you know, single, no kids, they just have the money. They're like, yeah, I want this crazy like, you know, 2000 megabit upload speed. And like they can't, and a lot of it's is like actual literal, like I got the highest one that's available. Like a lot of it's like the actual fiber lines don't exist in this area. And it's only in like, they've only got it at like, you know, like downtown LA, downtown New York is in these like hubs, yeah. which I mean I get that's where the new technology always is, but it's it's like it's like I'll give you the money. Oh, I don't need gigabit per- but I imagine as the years go by and if this podcast actually starts making like big money, I'll fuck around with it. Just why not? It'll be fun. It'll just be fun to have gigabit in it. Like gigabit just two thousand megabit bit download and upload. Why not? It'll just be fucking fun. But so you Tommy's can't even, podcast, the virtual reality version, 3D, everything. Yeah. 3D, 8K, truly. You can get it right now. It's, yeah, man. I don't think I'll ever go 8K. 8K. I don't think the human eye even, I think 4K I, is well, pushing that. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm 57 years old, so I can't tell the difference between 720p and 1080p on my television set. I can't I'm, tell on my phone, dude. And that's at 360. I'll be like, oh, it's coming in crisp. And I'll look at it and I'll be like, it's on 360, not yeah. 1080. And I'm like, that was total placebo. <laughs> I was like, I can see the. No, I can't. Never mind. Yeah, you can't see the pixels on 1080p five inch phone display. That's. Uh, yeah. I have a tablet which has a 1080p display. Uh, and I have it set up, you know, most people, the whole idea behind that was the same as with your phone that you can't see the pixels in a picture, but I have it set up like a computer. So you really can't use the thing without reading glasses. Even if you have 2020 vision, you still have to have reading glasses mm-hmm. to use the thing the way I have it set up, but it's a 1080p windows computer monitor. And the advantage of that is the thing weighs like two pounds. If I'm traveling, I can take it to a hotel room, set it up, and I have a 1080p monitor. Mm-hmm. That is, you know, I have to wear reading glasses to use it, but I can, you know, it's like, it's like I had 20 inch, 21 inch monitor there. It's like I can actually do useful work on this 10 inch display. Uh, but it, that. It, that tablet is the only one I've ever found, and uh, Best Buy doesn't sell it anymore. I guess it, you know, wasn't you know, so, so I've got one one that I use at work, and I liked it so much I bought one for myself. But that was the one that we were having all the problems with. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. With and so I bought this computer uh, to replace it, and uh, it has a it. it it actually has this. This I think this computer does have a 1080p display, but it's also 15 inches instead of 10. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a much larger device. It's not as handy. And of course, I have the 4K monitor on the side here yeah. for yeah. real work. Yeah. Um, but it's it's having that little thing that's about you know that, that's is about that big. Fits in you know 
a backpack and and I can take it to a hotel room in a strange city and you know with with nothing else set it up and actually do work mm-hmm. because there's enough monitor there but everything else I've ever found has been uh, lower resolution displays um, and and the thing is too the way that I use it I don't need it to really be fast it was it was screwing us up but when I'm programming or writing then the display is not changing very much so you don't have that bandwidth problem of these high resolution images needing to be sent back and forth across the network interface or anything it's just it's like you know I'm, I'm typing letters are changing and that doesn't strain the microprocessor that much um but uh, I forget how I got on this tangent. But but anyway, it's like I really like the thing. Uh, for certain things, it's just like really great. But I can't wait till I can't wait till screens are just like. And I know they're trying to develop it. Can't wait till screens are just like completely like foldable. I mean, true. I don't even mean like. I mean like. Like you could take your iPhone screen and almost just like take it and just kind of like like you're like undoing a blanket. Just have like <laughs> five foot eight K right there, and then time to go. And you just kind of like hit a button on the side, goes right back down. That'll probably it probably be more effective to have some sort of eye implant or something. Yeah, I, th- I think that that's probably where it will eventually be that's going. A lot easier. More that uh, either that or like a hood with a. Not, you know, yeah, yeah, it'll be like, like the Google Glass thing, uh, but uh, the yeah, the tech is not there yet. Uh, now, now it is kind of weird that yeah, you have a 1080p screen on a five-inch phone and play video on it. Like, that must suck some battery, but. Well, I guess it does, actually. I think we should just nuke the planet. <laughs> well, we're, we're planning to give everybody a nuclear weapon in 2050, anyway. So, and I don't plan, and itself. I don't plan on putting in the elbow <laughs> grease to actually make it better. If anyone else wants to, they can. I'm giving everyone the nuke. Tommy, you said that you would work. No, 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 no. I'm giving everyone a nuke in hopes that everyone's forced to make it better. I personally don't care. Yeah. I'm going to detonate. Are you putting in the word to give everyone a new? Yeah. I'm going to detonate mine on January 1st, 2050. <laughs> <laughs> I am. It's New Year's, man. Fireworks. Yeah. <laughs> 100 megatons. <laughs> Just gone. That's my plan. It's 100% my plan. I don't give a fuck. I'm going to spur. I'm going to spur space travel. Hope. This episode has fairly gone off into the weeds. <laughs> As always, it's the sign of a good episode. It's like the sign of like a, you know, when like fruit are perfect for picking. You get like a slight yeah. shade on them and you're like, oh, they're perfect now. Yeah. Once, By the time you get them to the market, they won't be anymore. You need to eat them right, right now. <laughs> it's, it's always time to pick the podcast when Roger and I end up on our 2050 thermonuclear <laughs> weapons for all plan. By the time we roll around to that, that's the canary. 
it's like, oh, we got on this topic. It's time to wrap it up. That means we've gone everywhere else. We've dug deep into the barrel of creativity and we've scraped the bottom dry. We have nowhere else to turn but thermonuclear holocaust. Yes. And and next week we will have episode four. Yeah, of yeah let's Revelation do um, Passage. let's do um pull up my my calendar. How's Saturday looking? Should be yeah, that's clear. Do two PM Eastern, one PM Central? Yeah, I can do that. Two PM East Roger. Done. Alright. Let's see if this woman emailed me back. And it's a Sunday, she probably hasn't. No. No, no email back yet. Again, that was so easy. That was so fucking. I already. I mean, I have my emails. They already have a template that I email out to people. That was so simple. I will learn nothing. It's like the end of American Psycho. There is no catharsis. This admission means nothing. I am Patrick Bateman. This podcast means nothing. <laughs> Well, serial killers and nukes, Roger and I have hit our limit. Rog, I'll text you when it's up. I'll see you on Saturday, my friend. Take it easy, buddy. Stay safe, everybody. God bless. See you. See you, Rog.